Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the RV Texas Y'all podcast. I'm Stacy. I'm Tom, and we're RV Texas Y'all. We are native Texans and full-time RVers who are all about exploring the great state of Texas and beyond one campground at a time. We're on a mission to experience life, not just live it, and we're bringing you along for the fun. Recording this episode at Fort Bayou Brewing Company. Yeah, that's a Harvest Host location in Ocean Springs, Mississippi. This is episode 25. And this week we are talking all about the national parks, specifically RVing the national parks. Should you? Should you stay in the park? Should you not? That's the topic this week. So sit back, relax, and join us as we. RV America, y'all. So, yeah, before we jump into it this week, we are at a Harvest Host location, (laughs) and uh, we fit these in every so often on our travel. Uh, We are dry camping as we record this, so uh, always a fun thing to do every so often, and maybe in the future we'll have an episode on Harvest Host and our experiences with that so far. I have a a feeling we will. We've had a lot of different experiences, museums, breweries all kinds of neat locations so but that will be another topic yeah yeah <laughs> this week we're talking about the national parks and a lot of people ask us about this because this is something well ourselves included a lot of people got into RVing at least in part with the goal of visiting a lot of the national parks yeah for sure and so one of the big questions is Should you try to camp? Can you camp? What do you need to camp? Stay inside the national parks? Or is it better to stay outside and then go in for the day? And a lot, there's a lot that goes into answering that question. Right. And I, you know, before our travels last year, I would have answered that question saying, I think you always want to be inside the national park. But, you know, we kind of found an instance last year where that may not be the case. And we're going to discuss that on this. But, I, you know, obviously people know that we've gone with a shorter RV to full-time in. We're 33 feet 10 inches. The main purpose for that is so we can get into as many national parks and state parks and Corps of Engineer Parks and all those River Authority parks as we can. Right. And and it has worked very, very well uh, to get us into these parks. And, of course, with our lithium and solar setup, too, is an, another reason why we did that is because a lot of the national parks are no hookups. Right. And I think that's maybe an important place to start. Uh, because there are some national park campgrounds, and by that we're talking uh, 
RV-friendly campgrounds that are actually located inside the boundaries of a national park. Yeah. Um, there are almost always options outside of the park, somewhere nearby. But for this, when we're talking about a national park campground, we're talking about inside, physically inside the national park. And uh, a lot of those, there are some across the country that do have some type of hookup. Um, there's a campground in Zion National Park, for example, that has electric hookups. Right. Uh, the Gulf of Gorge Campground in Hot Springs National Park in Arkansas has full hookups. Yeah, and we've tried to make that several times. <laughs> Something always comes we up. We will get there one of these for days. For sure. <laughs> we've had it booked several times, yeah. And there in, this, in some cases, there are campgrounds that are run by... Um, uh, concession, concessionaires uh, that are within the national park boundaries that do have hookups. One example, there is one of those uh, campgrounds with hookups, an RV campground inside Grand Teton National Park. That's right. And then there is also uh, dry camping in a more traditional national park campground setting uh, within a few places inside Grand Teton. So, but if you are thinking of that you want to do a lot, you want to stay inside as many of the national parks as possible, then power and dry camping is going to have to be uh, something you're really going to have to consider uh, right, because sure. most of them do not have hookups. Right. Uh, the good thing about some of the national parks, obviously not all of them, but like, uh, well, let's take Yellowstone, for instance. You know, Yellowstone... It's at such an elevation that even during the summer, it's cool in the evenings. Right. So, you know, that makes it a lot easier to dry camp, cool in the evenings, put the windows down, uh, go to bed. You don't need AC, so it's a lot easier to dry camp. You're just managing water, pretty right. much. Um, your water and, and your uh, tanks. Right. Your sewer tanks. Um, so... Let's let's kind of start with Yellowstone because to me that's like the king of the kings, uh, uh, an incredible national park. If you've never been there, I mean, I, uh, it's it's one that you have to put it on your must must do. Even if you don't RV there, you've got to go to Yellowstone. Everybody in this country, and even if you're listening from outside of the U.S., if you come to the U.S., if you are in the U.S you need to visit Yellowstone National Park at least once in your life. Yeah, it is one that's not unlike any other park in the world. Absolutely. Uh, so, but the, the thing about Yellowstone is it is so big that if you do not camp inside the park, and it also takes, you know, coming into the park can take time checking in, you have to have a reservation, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and you may be able to get around the reservation system by going in real early or late at, in the afternoon. But you're still going to wait in line to get in. And the park is so big, you're, you're hardly going to be able to go anywhere depending on what entrance you come in. Um, There's several entrances to the park. It's so big. Um, and... Yes, even if you stay inside Yellowstone, you're going to have some pretty long drives as well. I mean, if you want to go clear across the park, um, it could take you an hour and a half to two hours just to drive across the park uh, when you're staying inside the park. 
That's exactly right. And and when we visited Yellowstone uh, back in 2019, uh, we uh, were able to get campsites in two of their campgrounds. There are several campgrounds in Yellowstone uh, that allow both tent and RV camping. There is one in particular campground that was being redone when we were there, and it has recently reopened, that has some hookups and allows some bigger rigs, and that is Fishing Bridge. Yeah, it has full hookups. And it is almost centrally located uh, kind of towards sort of the middle of Yellowstone, but even with that, like Tom said, it's so big. You're going to want to spend a good amount of time there so that you've got the time to go to a different part of the park each day. Yeah, I. at minimum, if you can spend a full week, you can... You could spend a full week and still not see it all. Oh, for sure. You know, so if you're if you have a big rig and you can get in, you get in to fishing bridge mm-hmm. and you could be forty five feet. They have some accommodations for that. We've got some friends that are gonna they're actually booked for a couple weeks. Yes. Which, uh, this summer in Fishing Bridge, which we are so jealous. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I mean, they will they're they're gonna have a blast. I mean, and it's not just a blast, you just the things you see there you will not see at any other park probably in the world. You know? And you know what? It, now, there are some fantastic campgrounds just outside of Yellowstone um, that, that are always an option. Um, but the thing about staying inside the park in a place like Yellowstone is you are immersed in the park 24 hours a day. Yep. Like Tom said, you don't have to worry about waiting in line to come in in the morning uh and you um you might have the animals the elk or the moose or what have you walk right by you uh at your campground at your campsite yeah and sometimes uh they have the ranger programs at night and if you're if you're staying outside you're probably not going to do those. You're going to be less likely for sure right and they and they a lot of the parks yellowstone included they have the ranger programs in an amphitheater at the campgrounds. Right. So by being at a campground, it's super convenient. You know, you're right there by where they're having Yeah, it. we literally walked. Yes. Uh, from our site to the amphitheater for ranger programs. And that and was at the Bridge Bay Campground. We've also done that at Dinosaur National Monument right. uh, in Utah. Yeah. Uh, the ranger program while we were there was being held right next to the river, right in our, campgr- in so, our campground. So that's so, another major advantage of staying inside the national park because most likely now you'll do you can do some ranger programs they do have some during the day but it it really takes it up another notch when they do them at night when you're sitting in total darkness and they're talking and showing a movie and i mean there's there's nothing like that those are my favorite ranger programs are the ones at night Oh, 100%. Yeah. Now, we were at Badlands National Park uh, that same year, 2019. And uh, by the way, Grammy Kay was with us for these adventures. Oh, yeah, she was. And um, when we were coming through the Badlands, and we were, they also have a campground uh, that is inside the park. Um, But they had had a lot of rain, and some of the campground was kind of holding some water and 
we weren't really sure about hookups uh, of electric connections and stuff at that point. It was going to be warm when we were there. So we opted to stay outside of the park uh, at a campground just south of, uh, of Badlands National Park. The thing about that was, okay, so we were in a site. We had full hookups. Uh, we were looking at the beautiful rock formations from our site, and we were only a mile from the south entrance. And just past that south entrance was the park campground where they had their ranger programs at night. So, yeah, so we could actually get in. But, you know, things have changed a little bit since those days because back then there was no timed entry and and all of that well you, and if you had your park pass you could get in and the the big difference between now and back then is a lot of the campgrounds in the national parks back then were first come first serve yes now most of them you need a reservation in advance through recreation.gov now i think there's pluses and minuses to that the the minus obviously is you need to really plan in advance if you want to try to get a campsite within a national park campground. This is a good time to give your tip on how they do that because every park is, every national park, I believe, is a little different on how far in advance you can book them. And, gosh, off the top of my head, guys, I meant to look this up. (laughs) But, yeah, what you want to do when you know what parks you want to go to You need to go to nps.gov, which is the National Park Service website, the official website. Look up the parks that you're interested in, uh, and you will find information on their campgrounds. It'll give you information, too, on size of campsites, what amenities they have, if they have hookups or not, if they have ranger programs, dump station information, all of that. Uh, And you'll be able to... uh, between that and their recreation.gov link for that particular uh, park, you'll be able to see when they open reservations, you know, how far in advance do they open reservations. So, for example, it is important because you need to know when you want to be there, and you need to know it several months in advance. Right. Because you need to, I believe it's either 8 or 9 a.m. Central. I forget exactly the time. You're going to need to check that out because it could change also. Right. But it's usually in the morning, so many months in advance of the day of you want to arrive, you need to be ready to be online and book your site. Now, the issue with that is if somebody else is getting there a couple days before that, they could have sites. There may not be anything that will come available that day. Uh, But what we did to try to speed ourselves up and to be able to hit, you know, uh, submit as soon as possible on reserving a site is we'd go in back when we were, you know, months in advance as we were trying to figure out where we were going to go and when did we need to be online to book We also spent time going through recreation.gov and doing searches for campsites in that park that we could fit in. You know, 
uh, for us, size is important. We're, we're small by Class A standards. We're not small necessarily by RV standards. For sure. And so, uh, we, you know, you got to think of the height and the width and the length, and you got to look at pictures. A lot of times there'll be pictures that'll show you where the trees are around the campsite. It'll tell you how level it is a lot of times. So we went through and we would make a list, our top choices, our next tier choices, and then sites that we were not going to be useful for us. Right. And also, just real quick, when you do this research, before you have to worry about reservations, make sure you can fit anyway, because there are some national parks that we don't even have to mess with even trying. Canyonlands is an example of that. Um, You know, when we were looking at doing the Utah National Parks, um, we could fit in every national park in Utah, except the major national parks, right. the five, uh, except for Canyonlands, and we were too big. Right now, there's a state park outside that we could have opted for, um, and then there are private campgrounds, obviously around the Moab area. Um, so that is right. There's no point in worrying about what day the reservations are going to open if you're not going to fit in that park anyway. Yeah. So that's something to know. And it's good to know in advance, too, is there going to be one site that you have the option of fitting in or are there going to be 20 sites that you have the option of fitting in? Uh, Because if there's only one available that's going to fit your rig or be right for what you need, then maybe you want to look for an alternative anyway because that's going to be incredibly difficult to get. Yeah. Now, there are good and there are bad to staying within the national parks. Um. The, the good thing, obviously, like we talked a little bit about with Yellowstone, is you are immersed in the park. You wake up and you are in the park. You know, you don't have to worry about waiting in line, like we said, to get into some of the more popular parks. You don't parks. need a reservation. You don't need a reservation. And that is a great thing. These parks right now, not all of the parks are requiring day entry reservations, but the ones that are. Uh, in our case last year, we went to Rocky Mountain National Park. It required a day reservation. Arches National Park required a day reservation. Um, and so if you are staying, if you have a campground, a campsite that you are staying at within the park, you don't need a day reservation. So you can come and go, which is pretty fantastic. That's awesome. As much as you want now. You know, if it is a busy park, you're going to have to wait in line to get... There's not a special line, usually, for folks who are camping inside the park. Every time you're coming and going, you may have to wait to come back in. But you are immersed in the park. Like we said, you're going to have wildlife that might be walking through your campsite or nearby. You're going to have easy access to ranger programs, even in the evening. You're going to have, a lot of times, amazing night skies... There is a lot to be said for the relaxation that comes with being in a national park. Oh, and I think a plus, and some people may think it's a negative, but in many of these parks, you ain't going to get any any reception on your phone. That's that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there may be little places in the park where you can get it, but in, in most of it, like Yellowstone and stuff, that phone's going to be, you can't. You, 
you're not going to get on the internet and stuff. And now maybe with Starlink and things, that'll change. Right. But, that's you know, true. That's, that's for sure. That is something we actually look forward to is being unplugged for when sure. we're staying inside a national park. Um, and, and, you know, you take the kids, you want them to get unplugged. Well, right. you can go to some of these national parks where they're going to, it makes them be unplugged. <laughs> Absolutely. A hundred, there is nothing wrong with that. I tell you, um, you can also then do hikes, maybe early morning hikes, late evening hikes, uh, and you don't have to get up as early or be out as long. Uh, yep. so there's a lot of plus to being inside the national parks and just being immersed in the experience again usually dry camping so that's something you've got to think about and some of the parks do not have dump stations so that's something else you would want to plan ahead for or water or water sometimes you have to come with your tank full of fresh water that's right so you need to do your research do your homework and know ahead of time what you're getting into if you need to stop ahead of time to fill up or maybe fill up at the park that you're at before you get there, um, find a dump station, know what you're going to do when you leave. That's important. Now, there's also some benefits to staying outside of the park. And like Tom said, before last year, we probably would have always said we always want to stay inside the national parks. But there have been some cases, we mentioned Badlands National Park being one, where we have opted to stay outside of the park Uh, at a private campground or a city park or something like that, state park locally, and to drive in for our day trips. Yeah, and that one worked very well. Yes, it did. um, Because you were only a mile out of the park, and we had full hookups, so that was nice. We were with your mom, Grammy Kay, and so it was nice to have full hookups. Uh, But, of course... We did a lot of that trip without hookups, and Mom did fine. So, right. But still, it was nice to have them there, and uh, there was no reservations at that time, so we got into the park relatively quickly. Right. So that was, I mean, a mile away. You're almost in the park. Right, right. Uh, and if there's not a line, then it's all, yeah, I mean, it really is like being inside the park. Right. And so this past summer, um, we, like we said, had planned to do uh, all the major, all of the major uh, Utah national parks. We ended up changing our plans um, as, as we got closer to that time weather really being a big concern for us and the closer that we got to getting to we the one that we kept on our plans was arches national park we were going to be two weeks in moab we had originally we had booked for the first week to be in the campground at arches uh inside arches national park uh it was dry camping Uh, We were really excited to get a site inside Arches. It's a beautiful, the campground is located in a beautiful, like stunningly beautiful part of Arches National Park. Yes, it is. Uh, But really all of Arches National Park is pretty darn amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Um, However, uh, as we were getting closer to the time of being there, the weather reports kept getting hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter. And, okay, now we know Utah is always hot in the summer. That is, that's a known deal. We knew that when we booked it. Uh, you are, Arches is rock. You're, you're looking at some heat there during the summer. Uh, this was going to be September. Still very warm. 
Um, but we decided, you know, at that point that we wanted to kind of change things up and we really wanted to explore more. Also, we wanted to do arches, but we wanted to do a more in the town of Moab. Yeah, and the campground within arches is all the way to the end right. of the park. And so that's a long drive to get to it. So if we were going to try to experience some of Moab, it was going to take a long time each time that we were leaving Arches. And of course, you know, we, we got Star and Astro. We don't want to leave them that long if we can help it. And, you know, just to get out of the park could take an hour. Right. And to get in the parks another hour. So. Yeah, you've got, you got to remember in these parks, they're not only large in many cases, but you don't have high speed limits you're going pretty slow right you're going to be behind some folks coming or going that are going to be in there for the first time and just amazed by what they're seeing and so they might be going slower than the speed limit we could be driving through there for the 10th time and right. i'd want to go slow because the views are absolutely amazing <laughs> absolutely amazing and then again so not only was the campground tucked way in the back of the park uh, and it would have taken a long time to get to the front of the park. But also going back into the park, there was always a line. Big line. So we decided to change our plans and let somebody else have that campsite. And we chose to stay in a, in a public campground uh, RV park, uh, the KOA. Yeah, for most and of the it time. was nice. It was super nice in Moab. And we, we were glad we made that choice. Yes. So there are definitely pluses and minuses to both experiences and it really is what do you want out of the experience you know are you wanting to really just get away and immerse yourself in the park are you wanting to use the park as part of your adventure and then do other things outside of the park as well that's going to help you decide Yeah, because you know in some parks too if you're thinking well we want to stay outside the park because we want to go have dinner or whatever well, some of these national parks have those facilities inside Some of them, them. do, yeah. So, it, it, you know, like Yellowstone, they had several different restaurants and stuff within Yellowstone. That's right. Uh, so you can still go have meals and stuff even if you're staying in the park. That's so absolutely true. That's worth looking into also. And, you know, the other thing that we have learned along the way is when you're looking at camping in the national parks or near the national parks and exploring the national parks, and I highly, highly, highly recommend making this part of your adventure, don't, for, don't look solely at the major national parks, the places like Rocky Mountain National Park and Arches and Yellowstone and Theodore Roosevelt National Park, which is one that a lot of people don't talk about. But I'm here to tell y'all, if you get up to North Dakota, you have got to, got to, got to see Theodore Roosevelt National sure. Park. One of my favorites. Um, however, what we have learned is that a lot of times the national monuments oh, wow. are almost or maybe as impressive as some of the national parks. Yeah, it's hard to believe some of them that we've seen would, weren't national parks. I mean, they feel... Exactly like a national park. And they have, a lot of them have camping as well. And Devil's Tower National Monument being one of those. We stayed, we dry camped in the campground inside Devil's Tower. Yeah, imagine, if, if you've seen the beginning of any of our videos, our, our uh, uh, guest thing we play at the beginning of every video shows uh, our campsite 
right there at Devil's Tower. And I tell you how cool it was to look up at the tower there and see people at night with their headlights on. Oh, my gosh. Coming down. Yeah, Devil's I don't Tower. think they're allowed to climb to begin a climb but they uh, during not, after climb. nightfall, but they can be up there and be coming down after the, after the sun is set. And, and that, that was, was cool. It was very cool. Now, there is a campground, a public campground right outside of Devil's Tower. So if that was your thing, you know, with hookups. Uh, but we dry camped inside the park. That was Awesome. I would so do that again. And, of course, it saves money, too. Yeah, that's the thing. A lot of times, the when you stay inside the National Park, the campsites are less expensive. Uh, there are a few exceptions. There are. Yellowstone can get a little pricey depending right. on which campsite you're in, um, for example, because it is so popular. But it's still usually not the same amount of money as you would spend on a private RV park I, in the I area. I agree with that totally. Uh, so it is a way to to get uh, camping for less money. Yes. Um, and that is an important an important thing to consider for a lot of people. Now we stayed in a city park, looking at Scotts Bluff National Monument in Garing, Nebraska. Uh, this, the the uh, National Monument Scotts Bluff doesn't have camping, oh. uh, but the city park was, I mean, our view was Scotts Bluff. We were a out mile of our windshield. Away. Yeah. And it was awesome. Um, and then we had, um, we also, we stayed at a state park right outside Colorado National Monument. Yeah. And, uh, and honestly, we didn't even realize Colorado National Monument was that close when we booked the state park. Right. And then we had no idea it was as big as it was. That is one that oh. could, could just about be a national park. We completely underestimated the time we should have spent in Colorado National Monument. Yes. And we we're going to have to go back because our, our visit there did not do it justice. No. No, it, uh, another stunning place. <laughs> and that is one of the big things. When you're visiting these parks, people get excited, and we're included in that. You want to see and go and do as many of them as you can. And when you get to an area where there are several within, say, you know, a couple hundred miles or whatever, you want to go, 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 and just knock them all out and check them off your list. But it's not about checking them off your list. You want to have the experience. Right. You want to really be able to spend time there and whether you're staying inside the park or outside the park, you want to be able to spend several days going in and exploring and just relaxing in the park and learning what makes that park special. Visit the visitor centers. Every single visitor center, even the parks that have multiple visitor centers, they're all different. Yes. They're all unique. They all talk about something special about that area. Um, and so, you know, we have our... our uh, National Parks Passport that we like to get, you know, checked off. We go, like to go get our stamps at the yeah, visitor centers. Yeah, you need centers. to put that in the show notes again on how they could get one of those. I, I will put that in the show notes. That's really cool. We love that because it is a great reference for us to look back and remember everywhere that we've been. Um, and, you know, we talked about the National Monuments, but don't forget about the National Wildlife Refuges. Yes. Uh, the uh, National Recreation Areas, like, you know, the National Wildlife Refuge. We stayed at the... Uh, in Oklahoma. In Oklahoma. That at was, Wichita Mountains. Wow. You have no idea. Uh, when we got there... All of Oklahoma looked flat until we got there, and then all of a sudden there's these hills, and it was 
wonderful incredible there. it was incredible incredible yeah. uh the national recreation areas like flaming gorge national recreation area in utah so there are a lot of options it's not all about the big national parks but you need to be able to put them don't just check them off your bucket list go and experience them Now, I also want to mention here that if you are looking at visiting one of our national parks, actually multiple national parks, then you really want to look at getting the America the Beautiful Pass, and that is the annual pass for the national parks and federal lands, and that will get you in free to all of our national parks. If you have the Senior Annual Pass or the Senior Lifetime Pass, then you also get half-price camping within the national parks. We took advantage of that. Yes, we did. And you also get half-price camping at places like Corps of Engineer Parks, other federal parks. So that is definitely a great value. If you're a Gold Star family member or a veteran, you can look at the Military Lifetime Pass, which is absolutely free. Thank you for your service. And there are some other options as well. So I will put a link in the show notes to their passes page so you can see what's going to work best for you. I'll also put uh, some links to some other resources that we use when we're deciding if we're going to stay in the national park campground or outside of the park. And it also helps us pick particular campsites. I'll put those resources in the show notes. Now we're about to jump back on I-10 and head east. We are going to South Louisiana. Cajun country (laughs) y'all we are going to be going to the Cajun RV rally and next week we're going to be doing our podcast from there we're going to be joined by Don and uh, Sandy Grutzmacher who put on the rally every year this their 10th year so we're excited to be going excited to be joined by them come back next week we'll talk to you then Thanks for joining us, y'all. For more on what we talked about this week and to find other episodes, visit the podcast page of rvtexasyall.com. Subscribe to the RV Texas Y'all podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to join us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at RV Texas Y'all. Until next time, safe travels. And happy camping. Bye. Bye.